0: What's going on? This is TJ Murphy, and welcome to another episode of Adventurous Entrepreneurs. My guest today is Anthony Rizzano. At just 12 years old, Anthony faced life-altering adversity when a severe fire engulfed him. Miraculously surviving against grim odds, Anthony emerged from the ordeal with severe injuries, battling sepsis, undergoing numerous blood transfusions, and receiving his last rites three different times. He defied expectations, and despite losing fingers... Enduring extensive scarring, he pushed forward, realizing his dream of playing football under the stadium lights. Anthony's indomitable spirit, guided by his faith, carried him through a painful recovery and years of intense therapy, enabling him not to only play football again, but to become a two year letterman on the varsity team. Channeling his experience, Anthony earned degrees in business administration and taxation. Today, as a certified public accountant and NFL contract advisor, Anthony co-runs a successful advisory firm. A devoted family man, his compelling journey inspires many, emphasizing the power of determination and the importance of perseverance against all odds. Just a few of the golden takeaways Anthony shares in this episode are how to overcome true adversity and believe in yourself, the importance of starting where you are and making friends in business, the why factor, and an important accounting principle every new business owner needs to know. So without further ado... This is me and Anthony Rosano. Welcome to the Adventurous Entrepreneurs Podcast. I'm your host, TJ Murphy. Since quitting my corporate nine to five and starting a business while backpacking through Asia back in early 2017, I've had the privilege of learning from some incredibly adventurous entrepreneurs. Through these conversations and my own journey, I've learned that much like in life, entrepreneurship is an adventure. On this podcast, I explore the journeys of top performing leaders in their fields. These wide ranging conversations include tactical business advice, how I built this insights, lessons in leadership, Life hacks, travel stories, favorite hobbies, and insights into living a purposeful and joy filled life. Adventures await us. So let's dive in. Hey, hey, Anthony, welcome to Adventurous Entrepreneurs.
1: Hey, TJ, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here and have the opportunity to speak with you and your uh, audience.
0: It's an honor to have you here. I'm really, really excited for this conversation. And I'd love to start with with just a bit of background on the journey because it's truly an incredible one. So a bit of context for everyone. Anthony is the embodiment of triumph over adversity. Surviving a horrific childhood fire that covered 87% of his body if I'm not mistaken and cost you your left hand, your resilience saw you take that that You know, really tragic incident, but then returned to the football field as a starting linebacker for the Newcastle Red Hurricanes before embarking on you know a successful business career. So, Anthony, can you tell us a bit about your story leading to you becoming the adventurous entrepreneur you are today?
1: Well, thank you, and and absolutely. And you know, business is uh, is kind of uh, a passion of mine these days, but it didn't always start that way. Uh, When I was a twelve-year-old back in 1987. Uh, I was just a young athlete. You know, I I had an uncle who played for the Cincinnati Bengals. I had another uncle who worked in uh, professional football for the 49ers. And I had the opportunity to attend uh, Super Bowl Sixteen as a young boy, uh, where Joe Montana uh, won his uh, first Super Bowl. And, you know, and so playing football as a young kid was my life, you know, and in other sports as well. And uh, on October 31st, 1987, uh, it was the day of an important Pop Warner Championship football game for me. Um, I was a, a chance that I could play under the lights at a hallowed ground called Taggart Stadium in Western Pennsylvania, where a lot of great athletes like Joe Namath and Tony Dorsett and a lot of people that you know had played on uh, in, in all the glorious Newcastle High School football teams. And uh, that was the night where I was supposed to get my chance to play for the first time under the lights. But uh, as fate would have it, you know, my friends and I decided to take a little bit of a different turn that day. And uh, as it would as it would turn out, uh, my buddy flicked a match inside of my garage, and I uh, my my pants caught on fire, and uh, and I was engulfed in flames from my ankles uh, all the way up th- uh, through my shoulders. It was a ball of flame, uh, you know. So I was stuck in the garage and finally got my way out and when I was there, the fire was crackling around me. Uh, you know, I had a a moment, I was in, in intense pain, but I had a moment of, of peace under fire, to be truthful, uh, that was kind of miraculous. Uh, my neighbors came out and uh, covered me with an army blanket uh, and uh, put the fire out. Uh, by that time, I was burned over 87% of my body, third degree burns. Uh, you know, I did not look the same. My life had changed forever. Um, I was then taken by a life flight uh, uh, Angel One helicopter to West Penn Burn Unit in uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, where the medical staff had said, if I live for a day, I would die in three days. If I live for three days, I would die in three weeks of infection. Uh, Three weeks into it, uh, just as they had predicted, my heart rate was 189 beats a minute for three consecutive days. My blood pressure was 49 over 20. My fever shot up to 106. I was not responding to any of the medication. And the medical staff told my parents that they had to make funeral arrangements. There's nothing more that they could do and they quit administering medication. Lots of prayers. Uh, My family uh, iced my wrist and ankles all night. Uh, I had a, a, a priest bring a little old lady from the north side of Pittsburgh to my room. She anointed me with this oil she kissed my mother and said, "I would be okay." Uh, against all odds, the next morning, after that vigil, that praying vigil, uh, for for some reason that's beyond explanation, uh, my my heart rate stabilized, my blood pressure stabilized, and my fever went away. Um, you know, two weeks later, uh, I, the the tube was taken out of my mouth. It was no longer intubated. Taking my first steps. Uh, after 134 blood transfusions, 43 surgeries, uh, my last rates given me three times, I was finally told I would make it from the hospital. Uh, left the hospital, and my doctor said, hey, listen, you're going to survive, but the way you live your life from here on out is going to determine your destiny. You could either be in a wheelchair the rest of your life, or you could get back on the football field. Well, I really believed it. And so I went through the physical therapy for then uh, the next couple years. Where I had to learn really to walk and run again and get my arms up above, above my head and and, uh, and and just learn how to accept myself, the different version of myself. I look different. Uh, the psychological effects, there was a lot of them, uh, and they persist at times through the, your entire life. But lo and behold, three years later, I made my steps onto the football field. And by the time I was a senior, six years later, as a starting outside linebacker for the Newcastle Red Hurricanes, um i had a lot of sacks my senior year um i was by no means the most uh, infamous player or, or the greatest player from my family let alone the program but being part of the program meant so much for me because i was never supposed to be there it was a calling card in my life that you know and without having football and the desire to get back there i don't know that i would have ever resumed a normal life You know, today I'm very fortunate. I have a lovely wife. Uh, My wife is Katie. Uh, We've been married uh, for 24 years, together for 28. Um, We have two beautiful children, a daughter, uh, Julia, who's in college, and a son, uh, Anthony, who's a young baseball player. And having the opportunity to come this far in my life and uh, and raise these two beautiful children uh, after everything we went through is just a, a really... Uh, has been a wonderful blessing from God, and I'm really appreciative of
0: it. Yeah, I mean that's that's exactly what I was going to say. I mean, it's just such a miraculous story. God truly blessed you on this day, and and to have that tremendous support from from your family and the community and, and the staff at the hospital, I mean, it's, it gave me chills just just hearing it. And I can only imagine the pain, the psychological effects that that this had, especially you know right out of the gate being told, you know, you've got two choices here. You can kind of live a a different life, probably be in a wheelchair or or you can work hard and and maybe get back on the football field someday. What was your thought process or did you did you go through any any sort of you know, practices or how did you deal with it mentally? And like what what were some of the strategies you used to stay motivated and stay on course with what I can only imagine was an incredible amount of work and pain that you had to go through to get there.
1: Well, that's a great question, and I really appreciate it. so you know pain is an interesting uh, it's an interesting thing to talk about. And you know, as much pain as I had to deal with in in the dressing changes in the all the things that we went through, you know, getting burned and then the survival process is one of probably one of the more, painful things that you could go through in your life. Yeah. Um, but the idea and the notion of not being able to play football or not being able to have a normal life or not being able to achieve what it was that uh, that I had in my heart and knew that I could achieve, that was more painful and scarier than the idea of going through all this physical therapy and, and the idea of of everything I had to do to get there. I could not wrap my head around the idea of of just being the I have a disability let's face it I lost my hand but I couldn't wrap my head around the idea of being this disabled child who had to live under their parents roof his entire life which you know which you know my parents would have allowed that uh who didn't uh achieve or or couldn't get back out onto the field it's just something that that scared me that was the, that pain, that fear is what drove me. And um, and so it was my calling card. So anytime you're in business or you have something that you want to do in your life, the key is that you write down your why factor. Okay, you have to understand what your why factor is. Now, my why factor for for wanting to get back on the football field was to live a normal life. I just wanted to be a normal person. But What is somebody's Y factor when they're in business? What is going to cause you to get up and go up against your competitors every day? What's going to cause you to get up and go to and deal with banks when the banking situation isn't right? Or to deal with consumers or deal with the tax authorities or deal with whoever it is, your, your employees or whatever adversity, your supply chain. You have to have a why factor that is greater than the adversity or the problem that you have to solve. And see, learning that lesson through this accident has helped to propel me in my business career as well, because I realized that that when you have an abnormal problem in your life, like getting burned... The way I did, or an abnormal problem in your business, like things are breaking down. You have to really focus on dealing with that abnormal problem before you could get back to solving the never normal everyday problems in business, which you're just dealing with customers and the things that they're in life. So it was just uh it that that's really what motivated me was the calling card to to have a normal life.
0: Yeah, and and also the the drive to want to get back onto the football field. I played football through. My youth and, and into high school. And, you know, it was a very, very important, very big part of my life that taught me tremendous lessons in leadership and being a part of a team and work ethic and having poise amidst very challenging situations and adversity. So I'm curious for you, how did your experience on the field, especially as a starting linebacker, shape your mindset and approach to not only life, but business as well?
1: Well, first of all, um, you know, that's a great question, too. When I first started in ninth grade, okay, I was the kid who I weighed probably 115 pounds had scarring all over my body. I had one hand, and people probably looked at me, my teammates and coaches probably looked at me as though I was out there just to be part of the team, you see. And, you know, because I couldn't run the same way that I ran then as a senior. I had a lot of I had a lot of growing up to do. Yeah. So the first lesson that I learned is, is that no matter where you are in your life, when you enter into the arena that you want to go, no matter what limitations that you have, if you're not capitalized the right way, if you're not, you know, blessed with all the God-given ability, you have to start where you are. And sometimes you have to start slow, okay? And, and I started at a point of a very humble point or no one even thought that I should be there okay and i had to take it slow it wasn't like every day the first day i came out on the football field it was you know some ex- extraordinary experience but you know my freshman year i got the ball one time down at the uh, you know as soon as i got started and my coach at the time was a guy named Denny Flora. He was the running backs coach. He has a great Flora family in football in Newcastle. Well, they got down by the goal line and they wanted me to score a touchdown. But this wasn't a touchdown where they were just opening up the and I was able to get in. Well, he handed me the ball, and I ran as hard as I could into the line and I fumbled. Okay, I fumbled. And It was a big disappointment for me. We didn't score. I gave up the ball. You know, a lot of people at that moment, you know, would have looked at me and said, "Okay, this kid's running the ball with one hand. Hey, I felt so bad at that. Okay, I never wanted that to happen again. So I worked uh, every year on, on how I would secure the ball, but I became a better defensive player. And then as a sophomore, I came back and now I'm playing on the scout defense against a very good starting offensive team with with some players who ended up playing pro ball and a lot wow. of guys played college now i'm playing uh, uh strong safety which is a position opposite of the outside linebacker in the defense we were playing and i would they would run to the power side and i would have to take on two guards a fullback to get through and hit that tailback every time now I'm sitting there weighing about 125 pounds. And when they first start coming at me, these are the seniors, right? And I'm a sophomore. Yeah. And we had to run this play over and over and over again. And when they first started coming at me, I think that the that the linemen who were pulling didn't really want to hit me. Because I was this injured kid, and here I am. But guess what? I came up, and I blasted them in the teeth. Yeah, you gave them Full
0: speed ahead.
1: <laughs> Full speed. I Yeah, I might have weighed 125 pounds, but I was coming at it. You like, my life depended on it.
0: You used every ounce of it. Yep. And
1: pretty soon they were telling me to calm down. This is just practice. But the, at the end of the day, I took that beating and I went in there and made those plays and I stuck my head in there as hard as I could. And by the time I was a junior, I was on the special teams for my varsity program. And I was a starter now for two years on my junior varsity program. And now I started making plays on the kickoff and in the kicking game. And I started running down there and, and doing some things and and playing under the lights a little bit. Still not a part of the regular defense, but I'm rotational player, and I'm a special teams player, and now everyone knows that I'm on that football field because I deserve to be on that football field, and I belong there, and no longer were people laying off of me because I had one hand. They were now t- saying what a hitter I was, okay, and now I'm starting to get a little bit of pride in what I'm doing, and by the time I was a senior, I was able to move, and I uh, have a lot of quarterback sacks. I don't know exactly how many, probably six or seven, a uh, couple in a couple different games. Uh, I've made some really good plays to save a game, one against Ambridge that was a real special time. And now just having the opportunity then to be as a starter and announced under the lights at Tigard Stadium where the lights are shining down on me and all the people who supported me through the accident are there and my parents are crying and my brother's in the stands and I'm feeling a chill come through me knowing that I went from my deathbed back to the football field and and I earned it and no one gave it to me. And it's something that, that I could always carry with me. Me, that gave me a sense of that journey that that allowed me to then begin my education and business career and start where? At the very beginning and start slow. Yeah. And we just repeat that process, you know?
0: I love that. And especially the start, start where you are. I think so many people, especially in this day and age where you're comparing yourselves to, to your idols and always looking at the best version that someone wants to show you through social media, When you're just getting started, it can be very, very overwhelming and intimidating. But just the the understanding that everybody has to start from somewhere. You have to start where you are. And when you have the why factor, which for you was getting back onto that field and earning that starting position and working your butt off to get there. I mean, as you're telling this story, I'm just seeing like the Netflix movie a few years from now, like it's truly a, a story from you know, about as low as you can possibly get to to overcoming tremendous adversity and realizing that dream that you had. So I just want to want to applaud you there. And I appreciate you sharing that story. But I'd love to now get into what you're focused on here today. So that was back in high school. Tell us a little bit about where where your journey has taken you and, and what your focus is here in September of 2023.
1: Well, that's a good question. I uh, I just wrote a memoir named uh, "Against All Against Odds,", All Odds. A, a story of faith, courage, and never giving up, and um, and it details this accident and this recovery, and and it really breaks down uh, the the. It tells a great story. It's a narrative. It's in a cinematic view, so when you read it, you're just going to get this great feeling and this great story that it takes you to the depths of hell in some ways, talking about the burn injuries, and then it takes you to, really, it's a seesaw of of up and down and overcoming adversity, and every time you level up, there's a new set of challenges for you to overcome. Um, So right now, uh, September 26th. Uh, the book comes out, and it'll be on Amazon and Barnes and Nobles. We already made Barnes and Nobles bestseller in a pre-sell campaign, which is really good. Um, you know it's it, so I'm promoting my book and and getting that out there. And uh, I also run a small CPA firm with my wife, Katie, who's sitting right behind me. and uh, and you know, she's the lifeblood of it at these days. We've done this now since uh, two thousand and five, uh, early two thousand and six together. Um, you know so we have a small CPA firm we do a little bit of investment advisory work i also a licensed sports agent NFL agent with uh, through the NFL Players Association um so and but I'm just an entrepreneur you know I've I've flipped houses um, in terms of buying and selling and, and done real estate deals I've owned rental properties uh, I've done a lot of investment activities in terms of, of stock trading and in stock investing. Um, And I find that entrepreneurial business is really a passion. I've worked with many clients throughout the years to help them structure their business from beginning to end, uh, from entity, what type of entity do I want to be, to what is my best business succession plan, and how do I build and operate a business plan to, to make things go as I want them to do, to go along the way. Um, So I've taken the lessons, some of the lessons that I learned coming through my accident, and now I use those to help other people. And I embed these lessons within my book. So when you read it, you can see a fact pattern that will allow you to overcome the adversities that you're facing in life and your business to be success that you want to be.
0: Awesome. And very fitting title for the book. I love that. And I can imagine that in, in writing this memoir, it required a lot of, of personal reflection, especially, you know, around significant mental barriers that you've had throughout your life and throughout your career. So I'm curious, can you recall a moment in your professional life where where self-belief was the primary factor in, you know, achieving that milestone or success, much like you did with, with your journey back onto the football field?
1: Well, yes, uh, many. It's like a daily struggle, okay, because... You know, when you go through such a trauma, okay, you don't realize, you, there's people, they you, you hear this all the time, that you either have a fight or a flight mentality, right? Well, one thing that I've had to deal with through the years is I have a fighter's mentality, okay? So I had to learn how to dial that back. So when I was uh, first starting as a younger man, and I would be in a situation where it would cause negotiations or there would be stress in a business transaction or something. I was so focused and intent on winning that sometimes that would come back to bite me. If you understand that, that yeah. fight, which you need to get out of that deathbed is the same fight that you use sometimes in places that don't, that it's not necessary. Okay. And so getting to understand how to temper and how to work within and be and be diligent and not give up and do the right thing, but at the same time be tempered, okay, and be smart and be kind and be gracious. That has been that was a real challenge for me earlier in my career because I had I had a a, a sharpness to me, okay, mm-hmm. but um, but as I as I move on, it, it things start to mature a little bit. Things start to get a have become a little easier. Um, in terms of specific challenges, um, the beauty of 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 going through and almost dying and then in in coming back is there was nothing I didn't think I could do. Okay, so I had an undergraduate degree in finance. Okay, my undergraduate degree is not in accounting. I only had two college accounting courses. Okay, I have a master's degree in taxation, but I passed the CPA exam. Okay. And which is an exam that a very small percentage of people take it past. It was very difficult. But I knew that if I buckled down the same way I did when I was coming through my physical therapy, there was nothing that I couldn't learn and do, Um, you know, and so the same thing. So that, that helped me to get licensed as a CPA. Uh, It also helped me when, when you take the uh, NFL uh, certified contract advisors examination, you have to sit down and I'm a non-lawyer, okay? All these guys are lawyers. I, I sat down as a non-lawyer and had to study and prepare for the examination on the collective bargaining agreement, where you have to understand how to work within the framework of the agreement between the owners and the players. So being able to buckle down and study and use my, my mind to, to, to learn that all that all comes back to what i learned in and what i overcame in the hospital and um and so there's been many many occasions um, of of not having fear or overcoming fear and not having self doubt and not self sabotaging and and writing a plan out and and following through with a plan and and identifying and, and handling your situation with intellect and intelligence rather than emotion and outside influence and seeing through all of these philosophical factors to to really identify what it is and focus on your goal and go get it. And so that's, uh, that's coming through the accident really helped me to do that. And it's helped me to help other people as well.
0: Yeah. And that's what I'd love to get into next. So you mentioned that you... Have been able to really distill down the the lessons and principles from your experiences of overcoming adversity in this book in a way that other people can apply these principles in their lives, in their careers, whatever the case may be. So everyone needs to buy the book, but can you give us, you know, a little bit of a teaser in terms of how you instill that sense of belief in others, be it in corporate teams or or people that you work with directly?
1: Definitely. Okay. So now, and we can go. And they're 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 woven into the book so so well. But I will tell you, like, um, when I was injured, I want you to think about this. When when I was injured, right before I was injured, my mom and dad were going through a separation and divorce, and I was just twelve years old, and it devastated me. Right. And at that stage of my life, these these two parents who I love so much and they love me so much, they were just having trouble between themselves and they couldn't even at this moment be in the same room together. It was just that much of a tough breakup. Even though they love each other today and loved each other from the beginning, they were just at this moment in time where they couldn't even be in the same room. But when I got to the emergency room and my mother and father came to me together and and looked at me and I told him I was sorry. And now it was just me, my mom and my dad in the room. And my mom was kissing my face as a tear came down. My dad was rubbing my head and he said, we were all gonna make us out of here together. And they sat in that room and they loved me together despite the fights that they had coming up to this point for months. See, that moment right there showed me a piece of love, okay, and kindness from my parents that it made me feel so warm, even though I was on this hospital gurney with burns all over my body, just, I was able to see past it. I couldn't see that. I could see my mother and my father loving me together. And see what that means. And you might think, well, okay, how does that apply to business? okay here's how it applies to business we could be partners okay and we might have a a interest where we're you and i are going at it or we could work for the same company and be competitors in the same company or we could be in the same industry and be competitors in the same industry or we could be in the same country and be in different political parties and we could have adversity when we're going after our goals. We could want to kill each other and say bad things about each other when we're going after our goals. But guess what happens? When a common interest of ours is devastated, when a common interest of the United States is devastated, the Republicans and the Democrats have to come together and make good things happen for our country like we did in 911. When our common interest, when you have a competitor who's coming after your industry, even though you have two guys jockeying to be the next president of the company, those guys got to come together, use their brilliance together to inspire life in, in their new company. So in that moment, you see in my book that the power of two people who are against each other coming together for a common cause can inspire wonderful and beautiful things. And that's, and that power happens to apply in business. And there's many more lessons like that, that I could tell you about.
0: Yeah. I I mean, it's, it's so fundamental having a support system, you know, for you, your parents, your football team, your community throughout your life was, is incredibly important through your journey to recovery and success. For me, the same applies. The more I've focused on, on building the right community and, and leaning into the support systems that I've had the more I've been able to, to grow and work through some of the, the challenges and mental roadblocks that inevitably come up in anybody's entrepreneurial journey. So having that support system is, is crucial. But I think for many people, especially in this remote world that we live in, it can be hard at times, especially in the beginning. So I'm curious if you have any advice that that you give people in terms of how they can actively build that support system or you know ask for help when needed and lean into the support that they need throughout their careers.
1: Absolutely. Okay, number 1 is is that you cannot be afraid. Okay? So Murphy's law is that if you are afraid, your worst the what you fear is going to happen. Okay? You have to you have to eliminate fear. And what does that mean? So I don't care if you're going into the automotive business or if you're going to be a barber, if you're going to be whatever it is, if you're going to open up a small business, you can't be afraid to go and ask for a mentor and yeah. talk to people who've done it already. The shortest distance between where you are today and where you want to be. Somebody else ran that course. Okay. Many people ran that course. So if you want to run that course, you have to make friends. With other people in the business or in business who've already made the mistakes or learned from the mistakes that you need to avoid. That is key. So don't be afraid to go to the top people you can. See, when I was injured, I was very fortunate to have a medical staff that were the top, some of the top burn doctors in the United States and around the world. Okay. Well, what we learned is my parents had the faith they they said to my parents two things they said, you know, they said, "Do you want us to make him comfortable or do you want us to try to save his, his life?" Very important answer to the question, okay? If they said make him comfortable, I wouldn't be here today. So my parents had to take a risk, right? They had the risk, okay, we're going to let him endure this pain, okay? At the at the consequence, you know, that it may not work and he may or we're going to let him be comfortable. And then he's gone. They had to take a risk. Okay. So if you're going to go into business, you have to bet on yourself sometimes. Okay. That's a very important thing. And you got to be comfortable when you're betting on yourself. And, and number two, so my parents bet on, on, on me and number two, then they couldn't, I, there was nothing my parents could do to make me survive. Only the experts could. Right. So What we had to do, what I had to do was just lay there and be still. And my parents had to just sit there and have faith while the experts did what they had to do. So in business, when you're starting a business, you need to surround yourself with people who are smarter than you. And sometimes being the leader means that you listen more and do less. Okay. You surround yourself with the right people, but... Oftentimes, people get in business, they want to call the shots. Well, when you call the shots, then you're only going to be as good as your talent provides you. But when you have talented people around you, people who can solve problems in a way that you never could, that empowers you to do the things that you're gifted in. So by all means, you have to to be surrounded by do not be afraid surround yourself with the right people. Okay. And be willing to endure criticism. Yeah. You know, because when you're sitting and if, you know, you're 18 years old or 20 years old or 25 years old, you're telling your uncle, I'm going to start this business. Your uncle still sees you as a six-year-old who was running around in the backyard with ice cream on his face. So he doesn't necessarily see you as someone who might be able to change the world or change people's hearts or innovate and do something really special in terms of business so when you present him with that he might tell you to take the less risky road get a job work your 40 hours for 40 years and you know and retire but if that's not what's in your heart so you have to sound out the music behind you and you have to understand and keep internally in your heart what you know it is that you can do because once you start talking about that outside here's going to be a lot of naysayers and those naysayers might get in your psychology in your head might be the reason that you can't find and fulfill your dreams so don't let somebody else's definition of you define what you're going to be you know yeah. you,
0: you just can't do that got to own your why factor yep so a little bit of a pivot here, but I want to dive into to some more tactical things. With your extensive experience in in taxation and, and business advisory, what are some common mistakes that that you see new entrepreneurs making, and and how can they avoid them?
1: The biggest mistake that I see a new entrepreneur make is that they don't set up the proper type of accounting and bookkeeping system.
0: Okay, we get in the guilty business, of that for sure and- in the beginning. <laughs>
1: We get in the business because we're passionate about something, right? What are you passionate about? Okay, that's number one. You have to be passionate about something, okay? Whether it's passionate about being a lawyer, passionate about being a medical doctor, passionate about being a writer, uh, owning a landscaping, whatever it is, you have to have a passion for doing what you're doing. But then you have to keep an accounting for it. Um, so we use in our practice, we teach our clients to use QuickBooks online for small businesses. That allows us to help them uh, to reconcile their books on a monthly basis, and it links to their bank accounts. Um, and so, essentially, we can go in there and get copies of their credit card statement, bank accounts, all the things that are are to it, and then we can help them to see what the results of their operation is for every month. Okay, because without understanding. With the results where you're spending your money, where it's being allocated. And, and, and worst of all is when you have business owners who are commingling all of their business and personal expenses. So there's just a complete gray area as to what's going on here. Okay, It does not allow the business owner to properly track their business, understand where their growth points are, understand where their pain points are, uh, properly allocate the amount of money they owe in federal and state taxes, and and do their their payroll the right way. So you have to have that in place, a a proper accounting and bookkeeping system in place to support you so that you understand the results of your operation and where you want to go in the future.
0: Yeah, and just talking from my experience when when I started my <laughs> my system was terrible. And yeah, it got me through for for the first couple of years, but ultimately what what rolled in was this fog of oh crap. I mean, there there are some serious problems with how my books and and my filings have been done over the last couple of years. And that sense of dread and fear of oh am I going to get audited? What what's going to come down the pipeline in the future? it really weighs on you. And if you're not an accounting expert, if you're not a tax expert, you know it can be hard to invest when you're just getting started and you don't have the funds to hire someone to manage this stuff for you. But if I were to go back and do things differently, at least bringing someone in to educate me and help set up the right systems to get QuickBooks Online set up with the right categories to be able to go in and do that bookkeeping myself in a way that would help me understand cash flow in, cash flow out, where my money's being allocated, what I have to reinvest in any given month back into the business and have a very clean book that I can turn over to a tax specialist at the end of the year where there's not going to be a whole bunch of red flags and and unknowns in the equation, you know. Luckily I've I've learned my lesson there and have, have fixed things up, but you know there was definitely a point where I had to say, "Oh crap, like this could really come back and bite me in the butt." If I were to get, you know, audited and and have to go through that process with the IRS, so then,
1: you know, I've worked out many of, uh, you know, the the funny thing is, there's when you have guys, they get in business, they get a lot of 1099s, and then they just totally neglect their taxes. I've seen that happen, yeah. and they get all these 1099s, and then all of a sudden the IRS gets the 1099s, okay, but the guy never filed his taxes, and so the IRS just gives you an assessment. Okay, I've had guys come into me with four or five hundred thousand dollars of tax assessment just because they didn't file their taxes. Okay, and then when you get right back to it, you're able to you're able to work those things out. So, you know, nobody gets in business because they want to keep an accounting or or do or, or prepare, you know, a tax return or that's like the opposite of why they get in business. Okay. for sure. So, but it's absolutely, and and one piece of advice that I learned uh, actually at a Tony Robbins seminar, he really put it well. He said, you know, he goes, when you're a business owner, you have to have a great lawyer, but you have to become a great lawyer, so to speak, for yourself. So you're just not being led down a road, okay, by, you know, to pay legal fees, when you get in business, you have to have a great accountant, but you have to become a great accountant so that you're not relying on anybody. Okay. When you're in business, you have to learn. You have to become a great investor. Okay. But you have to have great investment advisors so that you learn. So the idea is when you're in business, yes, you have this, this specialized knowledge, that you need to have of the own, of your own particular business that you're in. But then part of being a CEO is also having general knowledge of the legal landscape, the legal environment that you operate in, the accounting environment that you operate in, the general tax laws of the communities that you're in, federal and state and local. And you have to have an understanding for investment and how to allocate um, resources that are not being used today, so that they're that they're yielding you a return as well. So, being in business is not just simply uh, conducting a service or or selling a widget. It is actually being able to manage all these facets and and learning from others. So that's that. Once again, that points back to you have to have the right mentors, you have to have the right attorney, and there's other, there's three other pieces of, of advice that I give. Number one you never talk to your lawyer about your money. And number two, you never talk to your accountant about your legal issues, unless they're necessary. Okay? Mm-hmm. So essentially, you have to compartmentalize and you want to talk to your lawyer. The reason you don't talk to your lawyer about your money is because, you know, that's not, that's not his concern okay you talk to your lawyer about your business structure your employment structure your your uh legal issues that come up in your business uh, maybe the insurances that you have to make sure that you're not exposed the proper way but that lawyer isn't necessarily trained to be your financial advisor so you keep your finances private now when you talk to your cpa you talk to your CPA about your chart of accounts in your business. How do you properly budget and allocate funds? And you know how do you properly properly make sure that you're capitalized and have enough enough money to uh, from the banks to that you can float when when payments might come in slow. But you're not necessarily talking to that that accountant about this contract issue over here. Okay, because that's not their expertise. So you compartmentalize them by doing so. Now, when it's necessary, there may be a reason to talk to the lawyer about your finances. When it's necessary, there may be a reason to talk to the CPA about a legal issue. You might have to do that at times. But as a general rule, you keep these things separate and you learn and you become the expert in each area of your business. That way, if you ever have to transition from that lawyer or transition from that CPA, you don't have to rely on them yeah you know and that's very important cuz that that way you own your business
0: yeah great great pieces of advice and especially just having the literacy when it comes to accounting when it comes to the finances of your business and on the legal side as well although i would say that one's it takes the the experience through circumstances to really gain that unless you are paying for that that education but having that and if you don't have it finding the advisors paying for the education you know everyone should take a basic accounting class if you're if you're going to go into business for yourself because to your point yeah you want to delegate that to an expert but you don't want to be led astray you want to be able to spot issues if if the person you did hire to manage something is mismanaging it and when transitions come you need to be able to pick up and you know plug back in with someone else and if you don't have the basic understanding of accounting that's going to be a challenging situation and a more painful transition for you so and, and lessons I you, learned the hard way but <laughs> and,
1: and and how do you manage them right yeah, how do exactly. how how do I manage somebody like I need to manage my lawyer I need to manage my accountant I need to manage my investment how do I manage somebody if I don't know what they're doing at least as well as they do as it relates to me so you have to be able to manage Your your professional advisors the same way that you have to be able to manage your employees.
0: Yeah, don't go in blind. Don't just blindly trust that someone's going to take care of everything for you. You got to manage it. So, all right, Anthony, a little bit of a transition here as we move to wrap up, but this is a podcast about entrepreneurship. We've talked a lot about business, a lot of great insights in here, but one of the biggest hurdles that most successful entrepreneurs face, really anyone faces at one time or another in their life is, how to live a well-rounded life and do the things that bring us joy with the people that we care about most. So I always like to dig in and get an understanding for how my guests navigate that. So what does living a well-rounded life look like for you?
1: Well, that's a great question. It's my, probably my favorite question. Okay. Um, Living a well-rounded life to me is, you know, when I wake up in the morning every day, I'm talking to God. You know, that's what I do. You know, when I go to bed, I'm talking to God. When, when I am going through my day, I'm talking to God. And I can say this with full uh, truth me talking to god doesn't make me any less of a sinner or somebody who doesn't make mistakes or trip and fall because i probably have tripped and fell and done more than anybody okay but even so i wake up and i talk to god because he doesn't leave you okay and i'm not talking about religion here okay because i don't care if you're jewish if you're Catholic, if you're Christian, if you're Buddhist, I don't care what your religious background is. Okay. If you want to say, talk to the universe, you say, talk to the universe. But at the end of the day, I am connected to a higher power to God. Okay. As a lover of Christ myself, I'm connected to God all day long. Number two, I try to connect my family to God all day long. My children, the people who, who love me, my wife, we have we talk about god and i'm teaching them how to how to talk how to talk about god every single day okay and how to talk to god every single day and that's a very important factor so so then i spend my time each day my wife and my kids we try to have dinner around the dinner table yeah. just like the old school we like to we cook together we like to have dinner around the dinner table, and we talk about our lives together. I coach my son in baseball uh, and in football, and I get out there with these kids, and I and I give back to the community, and I give back to young kids uh, in coaching the same way great coaches did to me, because I want to inspire kids to have perseverance in the face of adversity. And that is what I call an advocation rather than a vocation. And I want them to see me out there. At first, they look at my hand. Pretty soon, they don't even realize I'm injured. Mm-hmm. Then, all of a sudden, I'm that coach too loud. <laughs> and then, and then I'm helping them to accomplish something that's good and they overcome something and it's a really great feeling. So, I establish balance in my life by coaching youth, uh, by staying close to God. And every once in a while, I get on a golf course and I have to beat up on my friends a little
0: bit. There we though. go. <laughs> there we go. Well, you know that's to me the epitome of of living life on purpose. And you know, to you it it boils down to those pillars of faith, family, and and community. it sounds like. So mm-hmm. I, I appreciate you sharing that. And as we close out here, I have a I have a choose your own adventure question for you. So you can pick which one you'd like to answer or both if you so desire. But what's a favorite place you visited in, say, the past five years or so, or, what is a recent adventure you went on? And in either case, what was it like? What made it so memorable? Who were you with? Maybe a lesson you learned a favorite meal or drink you had. Tell us a story.
1: Well, there's so many. Um, and I could tell you, I'll tell you really a, an important story, an important place for me in this world. Um, right before I was injured the summer before I went to a place called ocean city, Maryland, uh, right outside of, uh, on the Atlantic coast, uh, right outside of Baltimore, about two hours outside of Baltimore. And I went with my aunt Marilyn and her family. And it was the first time I had seen the beach. I was 11 years old since I was maybe two. and It was just a great experience, but it was out without my mom and dad. Mm -hmm. Now then after I was in it, my mom had this big regret because the first time I saw this beach like this, then after I was injured, we went back then the next summer when I was 12 and, uh, and my mom took me to ocean city now it's with me and my mom and i'm here in this job's garment i have it burns all over me i'm still going in the water could barely walk i'm back on my feet and my mom starts uh playing this song by whitney houston uh, i believe the children are the future mm-hmm. and she would sing that to me every day and learning to love yourself is is the greatest love of all well as this young 12 year old who was just injured this way um me and my mom would bellow this song in, in her car. At the time, there was just cassette tapes and we would sing and, and, you know, and I would sing as hard as I could. And she brought me to the boardwalk where they had this, uh, this these booths where you could sing and you could do a, a song and they would record it for you. And then they were glass on the outside and people could watch. Well, here I am, this burn kid, you know, barely stand up, one hand, yeah, you know, shrugged shoulders and, And I'm singing, I believe the children are the future in this class. And my mom's sitting out there crying. And as I'm singing this, I had a terrible voice. I had a terrible voice. (laughs) My voice was cracking. All (laughs) All these people came around, you know, all these people came around and started like literally singing and crying. And it was like the most beautiful thing because, you know, when you're injured this way, You look at yourself and you have these scars, but the truth is learning to love yourself again, it is the greatest love of all. And, and, you know, since then, you know, having my two children and my wife before Mm -hmm. we moved to Florida, we went to ocean city every single year, every single year. I would go on that boardwalk and, and if you look at the cover of my book, okay, the cover of my book is there's a pier. With a little boy standing at the end in the sun over his head. Mm. Well, this picture was taken in 2019 by me of my son. Well, the backstory is we're in Ocean City. My son's uh, six or seven at the time, seven. And I'm holding his hand, and we're crossing the street, and uh and he darts off. Let's go, in my hand darts off across the street. Well, when he does that, a Corvette was flying down the road, didn't see him, and he's walking and intersecting right with the, it's going to happen, it's right before my eyes, and I screamed at the stop of my lung,
0: stop.
1: Well, when I did that, he stopped on a dime, and the Corvette stopped a little past where it was, it would hit him,
0: Yeah.
1: and my wife was shook. And I was shook and my daughter was shook and we went and finished our breakfast. And we thank God that that didn't happen. And a little while later we went for a ride and we found this pier over the bay. And my son walked out on that pier. And when he did, I was just so thankful that he was with us. And I took this picture and it came out beautiful. Now, when I wrote my book, I had to send a bunch of pictures to the, uh, to the, my publishing company, John Wiley and associates. And out of all the pictures, they picked that hmm. and made that the picture on my book, A Picture in Ocean City. So, you know, traveling to Ocean City has been wonderful, healing, but it just shows me that the gift that I had in my life. I was there before I was burned in the middle of my accident, afterwards with my family. Saw my son almost involved a uh, hit by a car but he was his life was set there was nothing he, there was no damage and this the moment later this beautiful picture and now i get to share this story and that picture with the world which is a a story of uh of of living life against all odds you know and uh of having faith courage and never giving up and i hope uh, your readers or your listeners will will go uh to my website uh anthonyrosano.com that's anthony, R-A-Z-Z-A-N-O.com. Uh, visit the website, take a look at it. You'll see a lot of great things and uh, order a copy of my book there, order it on Barnes and Nobles or or uh, Amazon. And and uh, I'm sure that there's gonna be a lot of good things that will come to you in business, in your life. And and it's, uh, it's a beautiful thing.
0: Against all odds. Truly, truly appreciate you sharing your story with us, Anthony. We're gonna put links to everything in the show notes to your website, to the book. I know I'm going to be purchasing the book and reading it myself and I'm excited for it. So just want to say I'm extremely grateful for you coming on this show and I'm looking forward to continuing to follow your journey.
1: Well, thank you, TJ. And thank you for having me. It's been a real blessing to spend some time with you. And if uh, there's anything I could ever do for you, please let me know. And, you know, it's just been a real honor for me to be here.
0: I appreciate that. Awesome man, that was great. Awesome. Yeah, cool. Yeah, You've got an incredible story. I'm I'm excited for the book. You said it comes out on the 26th.
1: Yeah, so it's uh, six right. days away. Wow, yeah, six
0: days away. Man, let that's me let, let me write a, your address
1: down. I'll send you a copy.
0: Oh, that'd be amazing. I'd appreciate it. Yeah,
1: let me send. Let me let me write your address down.
0: It's uh, six zero nine zero eight, southeast sweet pea. Like a green pea, sweet pea, drive, Bend, Oregon, nine seven seven zero two,
1: and that's ben, Bend, B E N D.
0: Yep, yep. Oh, like uh, and what's the zip again? Nine seven seven zero two. Okay, T J Murphy. Yeah, I'll send it up. Awesome. I appreciate that Anthony and That's yeah, nice. like like I said, I'm super grateful for you coming on the show. I'll I'll mirror what you said, you know, if there's anything I can do to support you. Um, you know, I would love to to shout the book out when it when it launches, so I'll be doing that, but if there's anything else, feel free to to ping me anytime. I I really do appreciate it.
1: Hey, and if you ever have a topic that you want to talk about, whether it's, uh, you know, real estate investment, taxes, whatever, if you want to drill down deep on it, I'm more than willing to help you. Yeah, and talk that would about be great. That.
0: Yeah, yeah. like, especially real estate. That's something that's, it's been, uh, it's been on my mind for years. And I'm finally just starting to educate myself. Uh, it's I did a real estate time to podcast. Be getting into it. But <laughs> what was that?
1: Yeah, I did a real estate podcast a few months ago. Oh, you did? Uh, yeah. And we talk about you know, uh, like kinds of exchanges, 1031 okay. exchanges, uh, different like uh, commercial investments and, and depreciation strategies. And I mean, I nice. could really drill down deep on that stuff if you ever uh, want to chat.
0: Awesome. What was the the podcast you were on?
1: Well, that's a good it's on my website. Let me pull it up. All right. If, I can, I can find let it. me see here.
0: Because yeah, that's how I've been educating myself. Mostly is, is just listening to podcasts. There's some good ones out there.
1: Definitely. It's uh actually my cousin Michael, and his is a real estate guy, and he uh, he and a real estate agent were running it. Let me see here, media podcast um, episode eighteen. Let me see here. It's right. It's under the media side. It's called
0: cashed in cash in okay
1: yeah real estate podcast cashed in real estate podcast.
0: all right. I'll look it up. okay, cool awesome.
1: Well, man. I appreciate it yeah you, yeah so um, uh,
0: yeah. and so basically the for this episode we're about I think we're about a month out from when it'll release and we put together kind of a social media package with a a real clip from from the episode. so we'll tag you, of course, but you can. You can share that out however you want on all the platforms. I'll send that over in an email when we launch and include the links to, to the episode everywhere where it's published. And yeah, that's pretty much it. That'll be great. I'm excited about it. It's cool. Awesome, man. Well, have a great all rest right. of your week. And and thanks again for coming on the show. Thank you. Have a great one. Take care. All See right. you now. Yeah. Bye-bye. To all of our adventurous listeners, thank you for tuning in to today's episode. Please be sure to subscribe, download, and share this on social media or with someone you know will get some value from it. Leaving a review goes a long way in helping people find the show. And I personally appreciate reading them when they come in. So please go drop one if you have the time. We'll see you all next week. And remember, whether we're talking about business or the things that bring us joy outside of work, life is meant for exploring. So go out there and live it one adventure at a time.